Hey friend, do you have ADHD? Maybe, maybe not. It really doesn't matter because either way, you're so welcome here. Whether it's you or someone you live with that has the squirrely brain, I'm here to help. On this show, we'll be sharing perspective shifts and hacks and systems and routines that all work for people of all ages with neurodivergent brains. I spent the last almost decade working with students as a special education teacher and navigating my own ADHD. Whether you want someone to hold space for you or you want the tactical, tangible strategies, you're in the right place. I'm going to help you learn to let it be easy, work with your unique strengths, and move from scattered to simplified. And we're doing it all with positive perspective, self-compassion, and a whole lot of God's grace. Let's do this. Hey guys, I'm so excited for you to hear this episode. I interviewed Lucy Hutchings. She is a registered dietitian and has been helping clients reach their nutrition and health goals for over 14 years. Lucy is on a mission to help people with autoimmune conditions and gut issues overcome inflammation so they can reduce or avoid medications, gain energy, and feel their best. She believes in a whole body, whole foods approach to achieving optimal health. She's also the host of the Healthy Mama podcast, where she talks about how to make healthy eating work realistically with a busy family. So um, I'm here with Lucy, and she is a dietitian, and we're going to be talking all about whole foods and how they affect our body and our brain. Um, I might cut this part out because I'm probably saying this already in the intro, but my brain needed me to say it right now. So (laughs) anyway, um, my first question for everyone and I'm not sure if you came up with an answer because I gave it to you ahead of time, was what makes you feel like you really have your stuff together? Yeah, and I love this question. It it just definitely made me think. And it might sound weird because um, I don't know if this is a weird answer, but my <laughs> answer is a clean and organized house. Really, if I walk into a messy area, I feel like I'm, my, my day is falling apart. But if mm-hmm. I walk in and like the dishes are done and there's not stuff everywhere, then I feel so much more at peace and I can actually focus and think and be a calm, nice person. <laughs> so sure. that's actually my answer. I don't think that's weird at all. I feel the same way, but I really struggle with keeping the things clean. Um, and my husband is the same way, but he's like a little bit more on the OCD side. Like, like truly, like I'm not generalizing that or like just putting that label there. Like he'll claim it too. Um, and so he likes it to be much cleaner than I do. So like, that's nice for me in a way, but I also drive him a little bit crazy, but I feel the same way. Like And for me, it's specific areas like my refrigerator. If that is like out of control, like I cannot, I clean out my refrigerator religiously every single week um, because you just, you need that blank space to be able to think and breathe. So I don't think that was weird at all. I totally agree. Um, I just wish I was a little bit better at maintaining it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's the hard part. Right. All right. So, um, will you just tell us a little bit about how you got to what you're doing right now? 
Sure. So I have always had an interest in nutrition. Even growing up as a teenager, I used to, you know, read books on it and it was just something that interested me. But the information was so confusing. And the older I got and the deeper I got into it, then I would I would actually find it conflicting as well. So it was confusing and conflicting nutrition information. And so when I got out of nutrition school, which was 14 years ago, I just didn't seem, it didn't seem like there were any clear cut answers. Like, you know, are we supposed to eat eggs? Are we supposed to eat bacon, meat, soy? You know, it just was really, really confusing. And then when I had my first child, that was 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. I started to really dig into this this uh, research because I wanted to make sure I was feeding him the right foods and everything. So I was researching the gluten-free craze and anything nutrition and food related. And so that's when I discovered how many biases there really were when it came to the food pyramid and it came to, you know, the government agency recommendations and, and the diet in industry. And it, it got really, really, um, deep and confusing. And so what I did was I just started eating real food because there were just so many messages and so many conflicting things. I started to eat real food, but I had to learn how to cook because I actually left home without knowing how to come up with a meal, cook it, get it on the table. And I know I'm not alone in that, unfortunately, Right. but I, yeah, I learned to cook real food. And at the same time that I was learning that I was raising kids. Mm. So it really had to be realistic. It had to be sustainable if I wanted to actually serve real food, you know, for all my meals and Mm. plus my husband. And now I have three kids. So what I found is that I felt so much better. My hormones felt balanced. I stopped having terrible PMS and I just had more energy and more focus. And so now I get to teach others how to do this. So I I help women, a lot of busy women, busy moms, and I help them with autoimmune disorders, gut health issues, and I help them to learn how to eat a low inflammatory or anti-inflammatory or a real food diet so that they can improve symptoms like skin issues and digestive issues and hormone balance issues. And what people find is that they they can focus more. They can lose the weight they've been trying so hard to lose and, and they feel better than ever before. Yeah, for sure. I love that. I relate to that so much too. We went through, so like just, I'll do a little snippet of my food background because, um, not coming from a dietitian standpoint, but I went through a journey of like, standard American diet growing up and then going to college and it still just continued because all of their food plans are standard American diet foods. It's like you're eating cafeteria food still um, and not really knowing how to cook a whole lot. And at the end of college, um, all of my mental health things like my depression and anxiety, I wasn't diagnosed with ADHD yet. Um, They had all gotten worse and I was really struggling with just life and doing the things I needed to do. Um, and I found veganism (laughs) and I totally went down that path for like a good five years. Um, and looking back, I'm like, I would never go, I wouldn't eat that way fully ever again. But when I was eating that way, I also was gluten-free at the time. I had like done an elimination diet because I had a lot of stomach issues happening. And so I had done an elimination diet 
and felt so much better, started eating gluten again, felt awful. And so I cut that out and then I was like, going gluten-free really wasn't that hard. Like I had always been interested in going meat-free. So I went vegan for a few years and because I cut out all of those things I was used to eating, I started learning how to cook to replace them. Um, and during that time I also learned how to like vegetables and cook them mm. in different ways and like beans, like a ton of foods that became my staples I didn't even like before I was vegan. Like I hated oatmeal and tomatoes and beans and like all kinds of other vegetables. I wasn't a fan, but they were never cooked in a way that was delicious to me. And so mm. I learned how to cook through that journey. And then when I had my daughter, um, she's two and a half now, I felt very convicted about giving her fake meat. And I was like, ew, like, I don't want to give that to her. And then I was like, but why am I okay with me eating it? And mm. it kind of like, it totally shifted my entire paradigm. And I was like, whoa, and like, everything was mind blown. And then, um, a lot of people I started following, um, or have been following for a long time, started talking a lot about the pro metabolic diet and which is, I'm sure you have heard about. Um, but for anyone who hasn't, it's a lot of real foods and like kind of like ancestral foods really. Cause you're eating organ meats and it's all about like raw dairy. If you're going to do dairy, we're still dairy free. We do fake cheese and I don't love it, but my toddler at this point can't handle milk um other than like human milk and so I'm like it's fine like we'll transition eventually um and I still do dairy-free milks but other than that we eat a lot of whole foods um but I learned how to cook through being vegan and I'm glad that I did because now like everything we eat is really whole foods and it's made such a difference in my brain health um I breastfed and was postpartum and my brain was just like not functioning well anymore. Um, I just feel like I was very nutritionally and mentally depleted and I couldn't even keep up like calorie wise when I was vegan. Um, and I transitioned out of that and my brain took like a 180 in the best way. So I am so about a whole foods diet um, and just quality foods and eating really well. So I'm really excited to hear more from you. So I'm going to turn it back to you because my tangent went on longer than I thought it would. Um, but I just think that sometimes people feel really intimidated when it comes to eating whole foods, especially if they don't have a ton of knowledge like you do. And I just wanted to lay out my story a little bit to let people know, like, you don't have to be a professional in this area to make that change. All right. Giving it back to the professional. So tell us, you told me you have four tips for transitioning to like eating whole foods, right? I feel like we should start there. Um, give people a little bit of a step-by-step. -step. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And and your story is, is actually kind of similar to my husband where he was vegan for eight years. It was before I met him and that's how he learned to cook. Yeah. And that's how he learned to like really um, discover all the different foods. And so, he, you know, we're, we're definitely not vegan now, but we use all the skills that he learned and we've learned to really, really appreciate the quality of proteins that we're getting. And yes. so that's, that's kind of part of this, what I recommend for people that are, are transitioning to a, a real foods diet, um, especially for their mental health. And, and there is a really big link between your gut health and um, your, your diet 
and mental health, mm-hmm. including ADHD. So that's really important. So what we do for our for quality proteins is we're looking for that grass-fed beef or, you know, the the local meats that we can find around us because we know that those farms are actually really taking care of their their animals and feeding them really good food. And it's not the same thing as buying your meat from the grocery store that's been conventionally raised. Mm-hmm. And, you know, bringing that awareness is really important. And, you know, the vegan aspect really increases that awareness of what you're eating and, and how to cook and everything. So there, there are benefits. Okay. So I have four tips to transition to a whole foods type of a diet. And, and that's what I am recommending for people listening, especially if they're struggling with focus and mental health and ADHD is just transitioning to eating real foods. So the first tip I have is become a detective when you're buying food. Mm. So what I mean by that is ignoring all the marketing claims that are on the front of the packet. (laughs) Yeah, especially when we're talking about children's food, anything marketed towards kids. Unfortunately, a lot of that food has the the additives, the preservatives, the colorings, Mm. the sugar, and a lot of artificial ingredients. And that's what you want to avoid. And so what you want to do is turn that package over and you're not looking for the calories and the grams of fat. What you're looking for is the ingredient list. And you want to really make sure that those ingredients are things you feel comfortable with. You know, is it foods that, you know, ingredients that you would use at home to make something. Right. Right. And also how long is that label? Like, I don't know when the last time was you looked at like a Pop-Tart label, but oh my gosh, I could not even, there are so many ingredients. Like if a little snack food has like 50 something ingredients, you should be suspicious. Exactly. Yeah. Cause what you really want to be doing is just looking for, you know, foods that, that you know where they came from in nature, you know, so your meats, your fruits, right. your, your vegetables, you know, and so when you get to a Pop-Tart, you have to wonder, well, you know, how does that fit into the the food chain? How does that right. fit into <laughs> nature? It's pretty far removed. It's it's very processed. And those are the kinds of foods that are going to cause the damage to our gut and not provide us with the, the nourishment that we really need. And so actually that brings me into my second tip, which is start your day off right. So you probably want to start changing your morning meal to something with more of a balance of protein, carbs, and fats. And what I see a lot of people doing is eating cereal and Mm -hmm. Pop-Tarts and muffins and bagels and toast. And, you know, when we do that on a regular basis, those, those sugars and artificial ingredients and highly processed grains, those are are what's going to start causing that damage to our gut. And that, that leads to that poor, poor gut health, poor brain health, poor, uh, you know, physical health. So try something that has a little bit more protein. You know, bacon and eggs have gotten a bad rap over the years, but it's actually real food. So if you can tolerate eggs, and I know eggs are a sensitivity to a lot of people. So, you know, not everybody can tolerate eggs, but if you can, if eggs don't cause any problems or inflammation, then go for the eggs. You can make them so many different ways. Mm. Um, 
if you're gonna do cereal, then try a high quality granola where sugar's not at the top of the list. And maybe they even sweeten it with something like maple syrup or honey. Um, so oatmeal is another option, but you want it to be, you know, the, the regular oats, not the packets that are, are instant. And then you can add, you know, nuts and a small amount of honey or maple syrup or cinnamon to flavor it. Um, another good breakfast thing is, is yogurt, but you're looking for the full fat yogurt that's unsweetened. Yes. And then you can add your own sweetener. Yeah. So, you know, you can add your own fruit or whatever you want to add to it. Um, And then my last thing for breakfast is that it doesn't have to be the traditional uh, breakfast model. You know, it can be leftovers from the night before, or you can get a good quality sausage or make your own sausage with ground chicken or Mm -hmm. something, you know, um, so, you know, think outside the box, basically. Right, right. Um, I love that you brought that up, too, because... I know that in our bodies, when we process or like when our body is metabolizing processed grains, like those, what am I trying to say? Like whole food grains process differently than like flour. Um, I I can't remember the terms I'm trying to use there, but when you eat something like just a bowl of sugary cereal in the morning, you're going to be hungry very quickly later and it gives you that huge spike in your blood sugar and then it's gonna dip and so all of those things especially in kids can look like ADHD or other mental health things and it truly is just diet based right exactly and so what really breaks my heart is when people are you know struggling with um, behavior issues with their kids or focus issues with their kids or themselves. And then what they do is they, they head towards the medications before trying to make diet changes. Yeah. So what I see are some kids that are on medications for focus, and then they're also having a pop tart or a bowl of cereal for breakfast. And that's just not the way to start your day to nourish your body for anyone, whether, right. you know, you're having, uh, you know, brain health problems or not. It's just not a good way. And yeah, you get hungry really soon after. Yeah. And then those medications also usually suppress your appetite. And then the only thing that you want to eat when you don't really feel hungry are those simple carbs, you know, they want all of that even more. Um, and so then you just kind of end up in a cycle, but I, I agree. It's, it's hard to watch that. And I, um, I was really lucky when I was a special education teacher that I had a lot of parents that were like, we're not interested in medicating. Um, And so we would talk about other things. I mean, obviously I wasn't giving anyone diet advice, but I would be like, you don't have to medicate. Like, you know, I have these wobble chairs where they can move around and like we take lots of breaks and like there, here are some other things that you could look at diet changes and sleep and blah, blah, blah. And like, leave it really baseline like that. And then let them do the research on their own. Um, But I think that there are a lot of parents out there that want other options, but they just don't know what to do. And so I'm excited that we're having this conversation about some easy ways to transition that diet. Um, And then one last thing I want to say before you get into the next tip is when you are transitioning kids into new foods, make it really low pressure. Like my toddler's only two and a half. I'll make foods that I know that she likes for dinner, but I also always put a couple things of whatever we're having and there's no pressure with it. I just let it be and it's there and she'll ask what it is. And sometimes she'll take a bite and sometimes she won't. Um, and sometimes it just takes a lot of exposure before they're going to like it. There's a, my husband and I eat, um, groats almost every morning with a bunch of stuff in it. 
and she saw us eat them every single day and she did not care until she was about two and then she had like two weeks where she wanted to eat it all the time with us and now she's back to not caring so like just take your time be patient expose them and then just don't put any pressure on it though yeah that that is so hard because I've fallen into that trap too before where um I just I know that my daughter has said oh I don't like that and so then I, I have that in my head and then I don't offer it again because I say, oh, well, she doesn't like that. Yeah. And I, I have to catch myself and make sure that I'm not doing that because, you know, taste buds change, kids yeah. grow. And the more that they're exposed to it, the more likely they're going to give it a try some other time, always with very little pressure. Because if they're coming to the table and feeling like they're going to be pressured into eating another bite or trying this new food, then it's it's going to turn into something that's not comfortable for them anymore, yeah. but always having the food, you know, you're eating it. It's there. I usually still serve it on their plate, but you know, it's not something that they're required to eat, especially in order to have a dessert. That's when right. we get really into <laughs> other problems with our relationship with food where, you know, forcing them to eat their whole plate before they have their dessert. Um, so that kind of leads into my next tip, actually, and that is to pack your lunch. And the reason why this is connected is because when you're sending a lunch with your, your kids and you're trying to maybe transition into some healthier options, you don't want to use the lunch box as a time to, to introduce a new food. Because you want them to be safe and you want them to actually eat it. So, you know, you want them to have their lunch. So make sure you're, you're, if you're experimenting with new foods, do it at home first. Make sure that that's something that they're comfortable eating and then you can put it in the lunchbox. So the, the thing with lunch is that it's often a time for breads, which are very processed, uh, using a lot of processed grains. And it's also a time for little packaged um, lunch type items that, you know, whether it's for you or, or your kids, we tend to do a lot of like high processed snacks at lunchtime yeah. and a lot of sandwiches or subs or pizza or, you know, quick foods like that. Yeah. So what I recommend to people is that they try a bento box. And all that is is just a container that has the little the little dividers in it, and it kind of gets you out of the sandwich thinking mentality, because you can just fill those little boxes with the things that you like or the things that your kids like. Because it can be you know you can use bento boxes for kids and for yourself yeah. and for adults. Yes, yeah, so you could do things like ham and cheese roll-ups without the wrap or the, the bread. Um, grilled chicken strips, those are really good cold, and you can dip them into whatever you like to dip things into. Um, tuna fish on cucumbers, or if you've heard of Simple Mills brand crackers, those yeah. are a really good brand with simple ingredients that are made of almond flour, and they're incredibly delicious. Love that brand. And then you can add, you know, fruits and vegetables to the other little boxes, um, the other little parts of the container. And you can actually find a lot of convenient items at the store now, like little packages of guacamole or hummus packs, you know, that are individually packaged so that, you know, you can still make lunch a really easy thing to pack. Um, Even individual packages of cheese, like mozzarella cheese or Mm. um, trail mix, all kinds of different, different things. If you actually look through your grocery store and get really um, become an, an 
a detective. For sure. And the bento boxes give the kids and adults, I love, like, a snack plate. We call them snack plates Mm. at my house. Um, Like, every once in a while for dinner, I'll just get out this big tray we have, and I'll put a bunch of meats on there, and, like, I'll put a couple little, like, chip crunchy fun things, and then we'll put a bunch of fruit or vegetables with hummus, or, like, I'll make a little dip for the fruit. Um, And sometimes we'll just sit down and have, like, a big family snack plate. And it also takes off that pressure, again, with just letting them try some new things. And bento boxes are just fun. Like, they totally give lunchable vibes to kids. And like you said, it makes it easy. It makes it a little less overwhelming because you can kind of just focus on one little compartment at a time and not think about it as one whole meal. I think that's one of the things, too, that veganism really helped with was... um, kind of redefining what I thought a meal had to be. And mm. so then, like, I don't know. I, I feel like I just have a little bit of a different perspective than most people when it comes to food now because I wasn't, you know, so many people thought that every meal is like a meat and a starch and maybe a vegetable. Right. Um, and so, like, I had to start thinking outside of the box. And so I think that that also helps. And so if you can just focus on one little compartment at a time, put things that you like in there, it doesn't have to be a whole cohesive meal that feels really fancy or anything. Right, right. And if you think of Lunchables and how popular Lunchables are, you kind of replicating that only using healthy ingredients because kids yes. like how fun it is to have the little containers. They like to put things together. So, you know, if you have a container of tuna fish and a container of sliced cucumbers, then they get to put the tuna on the cucumber, make their own little sandwich. Right. Uh, you know, so anytime it can be interactive, yes. that's always great. That's fun. And there's like 8,000 ideas on Pinterest for like yes. healthy Lunchables. So if anyone's feeling overwhelmed, just go look it up <laughs> or seriously, just start with like some of your favorites. Like what's a fruit yeah. you like? What's a vegetable you like? What's a meat that you like cold, preferably throw a dip in there. Ooh. Maybe put a little bit of dark chocolate in there. Like, I don't know how yes. you feel about dark chocolate, but like, I'm oh, all yeah. about it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Um, I usually add some dark chocolate. Um, And then my last tip is just to make a plan. So meal planning can send people running in the opposite direction when I bring it up because it can sound a little bit overwhelming and intimidating, but it is well worth it. And there are ways to transition into meal planning that aren't so intimidating. Um, One of the things I suggest if this is new for you is to just pick like two or three days during the week and think about it ahead of time and try meal planning for just those two or three days and see how it goes. You may find that it's actually nice to have a plan for your dinner um, and how you might notice how much less stress you have on those days and you'll you might love it and then transition into maybe planning a few more meals um, but it really does decrease stress it it helps you plan healthy meals and it really does reduce the number of times that you're going to do takeout or quick uh, more processed or less less nourishing foods for dinner so it, it does really help with that. Yeah, I completely agree. I My life feels like a mess when I don't meal plan. That might be my answer for, like, my one thing that makes me feel like I have my stuff together. I need mm-hmm. a meal plan. Like, I cannot think about each meal as it comes up. That is so stressful. Um, and so I totally agree with you. Even if all you do is just plan for Monday first, you know, like, make extra mm-hmm. things on Sunday whenever you're already making your dinner and then have leftovers on Monday and maybe into Tuesday, like, make a really big batch. 
Um, so I did have two questions come in from my community and the first one I feel like was a really good one. I got a, I got several like praise hands about it, um, was how do you focus on all these things that we talked about without leaning into that like orthorexia kind of mindset? Um, and are you okay with giving a quick definition of orthorexia if people don't know what that is? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that that is a good question. And so orthorexia is kind of the obsession with proper or healthful eating. Um, you know, we get so fixated on so-called healthy eating and it can actually, you know, go the other way and, and damage your own well-being if that's if that's such a fixation for you. It almost becomes an obsession. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it is a great question because it can sometimes feel obsessive. And I know that I'm one of those people that looks at the ingredient list of everything that I'm putting into my cart. And that can fill somebody with anxiety. You know, the more you go down all of these different healthy paths, especially because there's so much information out there and it can yeah. be really overwhelming and and, you know, it can be a problem. So, but first we have to, of course, know yourself. You have to know yourself and your own history with any disordered eating. And if there is a history, then it's really important to be followed by a professional on your path because, you know, that this can lead to the same kind of obsessive, unhealthy eating as, you know, um, anorexia or bulimia or any of the other types of eating disorders. Um, And so you don't want that to happen either because eating healthy food can become an obsession. Mm. So you have to know yourself. If you have those types of uh, tendencies, then you definitely need to be followed by a professional. But what we're really talking about here today, as far as like healthy eating goes, for uh, mental health or ADHD, we're really just talking about eating whole foods or or real foods and decreasing the number of processed foods. So perfectionism isn't required for most people. Um, some people do discover that they might have a food intolerance or um, a sensitivity. When we do discover that, then it is really important to avoid that specific food. You know, if you discover that you or your child is sensitive to food additives or colorings, then that is something that, you know, we're going to have to focus on reading the labels and making sure that that's not part of the diet most of the time. And, you know, it's going to be up to you as far as, you know, if you're okay with, you know, um, adding that in once in a while. Uh, So with that being said, though, some people can tolerate some amounts of um, those types of of foods, and and some people can't tolerate any. It's really going to be up to you whether you um, notice a big difference or not, and how much time and effort you want to put into working on this kind of a journey there's really no simple answer to this because it's really very individual yeah you know some people can can be more flexible and some people because of certain sensitivities or um, symptoms have to be more strict so it's really going to be just about focusing on eating as best you can but not worrying that it's perfect you know i i definitely try and cook most of my meals as, as uh, good quality as possible. But if there's a night that we just have to go get pizza 
and we don't have symptoms, we don't have sensitivities that are that are really going to damage our bodies, that we do that because we. I I want to make sure people are being as realistic as possible yeah. with um, their eating. And so, if there's a busy night and it just means eating something really quick and simple and maybe not very nourishing or or healthy for your body, then that's okay. You just get through that night. You move on because. You, stressing about it and, um, you know, putting all the time and effort into making it perfect can really backfire because stress isn't good for our bodies either at all. You know, that releases cortisol and, and that can be just as damaging to your gut as eating the unhealthy foods. So I I don't know if that completely answers the question, but I, I hope that at least gives some insight into that. I think that you gave really good advice about, first of all, knowing yourself and knowing your own tendencies and then second, working with a professional, or even if you don't have those tendencies, so you maybe don't start with a professional, if you start this and you start seeing yourself kind of getting a little all or nothing with it, then seeking out that help to have someone kind of on the outside who also has the scientific background and all of that, that can help give some of that guidance. I think that was really good advice. And then I think the other thing that I would say to um, anyone who was wondering about this, like you said, it's about focusing on eating whole foods and I wouldn't even worry about the rest of it. Like don't be counting your calorie, like unless you have a specific reason for whatever that is, like I'm not going to get into details. If you have a very specific reason that you need to be counting your calories or your macros or something, then whatever, go for it. But if you don't, I wouldn't even stress about that. Just leave that alone eat until you're full. When you're hungry, eat. When you're not, don't. And focus on those whole foods, which kind of leads into that second question of um, someone wanted to know what your opinion was on like the timing of meals rather than the content. So do you have any advice around that? Yeah. Again, it's super individual (laughs) and it's, it's very hard to make a blanket statement. Um, so if, the person is talking about timing as in intermittent fasting, then that's, that's something that works for some people and, and doesn't work for others. Mm -hmm. And it might be something to experiment with, but it definitely isn't necessary. I think what we have to remember is that, um, as far as timing goes, you know, we, we've come from, um, you know, millions of years of, of development and we didn't always have, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That hasn't always been the way that humans have um, developed. And so it's okay if you're not following that type of, of traditional modern paradigm. But the the thing to think about here is that if you're, let's say you're, you're skipping breakfast, because you, you, what I want you to think about is why are you skipping breakfast? Is it because you don't have time or you haven't made a plan for it? And is that okay for your body? That's going to work for some people. It's going to be totally fine for some people. They're going to get to lunch and they're going to, uh, you know, make really good choices. And it's not going to be a problem because our bodies are very flexible. They're really made to, they're designed to be very flexible. However, if you're getting to breakfast, I mean, you're getting to lunch and your blood sugar has crashed and you're super grumpy and um, irritable and you end up making really poor choices because you're so hungry then that's that's an issue with timing. That's a t- that's probably when you're going to need to say, all right, I need to make a plan for breakfast so that I'm having breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You know, with these this this amount of hours in between each meal, and 
you know, it's really going to be about how your body reacts to different foods and, and how your blood sugar works um, mm-hmm. and how your energy level works. So it's really going to be different for each person. Yeah. I don't know how much you um, know about cycle syncing, but I have it's been on my radar for a very long time and I've really gotten into it. Um, the last like eight ish months that my cycle returned after having my baby. And I know that, um, a lot of experts say there are certain times in your cycle where like you can kind of experiment with some of that fasting and you can, but then there are other times in your cycle where like you really shouldn't because you're not going to feel great. And so I think that's another piece for people to kind of take into consideration. And I really like how you brought up why like why are you wanting to skip a meal is it is it just to skip a meal is it because you're trying to cut back calories is it because you want to play around with that fasting for inflammation or whatever your other reason is I think that's important to stop and ask yourself why um and then like you said intermittent fasting it's going to work for some people it's not going to work for others and especially with women I feel like it really depends on where you're at in your month if it's going to work for you or if you're going to feel like crap Um, so I think that's something else to, for everyone to really think about. For sure. Yes. All right. Well, um, the last question not to put you on the spot is just, is there anything that we didn't get to that you would really like to share? Um, and if not, then we'll just wrap it up. No, I think that we covered most of it. Um, you did just mention, though, about um, cutting calories. And I, so I do want to reinforce here that, you know, that's really not the best way to manage your weight. It's not yeah. the best way to manage your your mental health or your energy. And so when we are cutting calories, then um, we are slowing down our metabolism. We are uh, yeah. making it more difficult for our bodies to function and probably missing out on a lot of good nutrients. So uh, really just focusing on whole foods, real foods, eating, listening to your body, eating when you're hungry, uh, not eating when you're not hungry, focusing in on whether or not you're eating because you're you're bored or lonely or or sad or tired, mm. and knowing you know w- what is the reason that you're you're craving or having snack foods, and you know just becoming really aware of what you're eating and and why. Yes, yeah. yeah, I love that. Um, the last little tidbit that I want to mention is that most people think they need way less calories than they actually do and like you said it's not going to help with weight loss like if you're sending your body into starvation mode your cortisol is all going to go up your body is going to hold on to everything because it's scared it doesn't know when it's going to eat next and all of those things um and I feel like most women are scared to eat more than like 1200 or 1500 calories because they've been told that that's where you go and then you exercise really hard and that's how you stay fit and that's just not true for majority of people and even the people that that works for I feel like they don't actually feel that great um isn't 1200 calories like the recommendation for like a young child (laughs) right right and and even for kids I mean they are going through all kinds of different phases so really counting calories is just so difficult because you don't know how many calories you need at that time there's just really no good way to know that. So, you know, for kids, sometimes they need, they don't need a whole lot, but sometimes they're going through a growth spurt and they need a whole lot more. So it's just so stressful. Like just, that would be my number one thing. Just don't, 
don't yeah. stress about counting any of it. Focus on the whole right. foods. Focus on how the food is making you feel and why you're eating it, like you said. Um, and I just, I love this episode. I feel like there are so many nuggets of gold in here. And then we have like some perspective shifts. We have some tangible tips in there. So thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This really was a fun conversation. I loved it. Um, I will have a little bit more information about you in the outro, and then we'll have links to all the things where you can find Lucy. And um, yeah, I hope you guys like this episode. I hope you loved this episode. If you want to connect with Lucy, you can find her um, on Facebook. She's Lucy.HutchinsRD. And her website is the same without the period. It's LucyHutchinsRD.com. So L-U-C-Y-H-U-T-C-H-I-N-G-S-R-D.com. And I will have all of that linked in the show notes. If you're interested in starting some healthy lunches but you don't know exactly how to start she also has a free guide to that which i will have linked in the show notes as well hey you thank you so much for listening i'm so happy to have been part of your day if you love this episode would you please consider sharing it on your instagram stories and tagging me this way i know what you're loving and what to make more of i'll see you next week bye